Welcome to episode 8 of the Anxious Poets podcast. I'm Adrian Scott, I'm an anxious poet and on this podcast which we recorded a couple of days ago I'm joined by Helen Moore, a a poet and author from Sheffield who is also an anxious poet so you could say it's the Anxious Poets plural podcast and um, I'm really grateful to Helen for coming along and talking about her work and creativity and poetry and anxiety and mental health um, and being vulnerable about that. I know how hard that is and it's it's so great to have a conversation uh, about those things. As, as anyone who suffers from any of these things knows, uh, it, it, it's so comforting to talk to someone else who's been through the same things or similar things. And to find someone to talk to about anxiety and writing is just great. And we're joined also by Alfie, her uh, little boy. Um, he's a little toddler. He makes it a three-way conversation, and um, he, he's lovely. Um, and he and he, he entertained us as we spoke to each other. Um, so it makes for quite a lively broadcast. Uh, and uh, you might have to listen hard to some of the bits. But I'm I'm so grateful to her for coming, and. Um, I hope you uh, enjoy the conversation. You and I have talked a little bit before about anxiety and creativity and poetry. Mm-hmm. So I thought it'd be good to have a, a conversation about that. And we've got Alfie here. Yes. Who is how old? He's 10 months old, ten months nearly. Old. So we've got some sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't look anxious at all. He doesn't, does he? <laughs> Looks pretty chilled. Yeah. I wish I could be like that all the yeah, time. Me too. Um, do you think that the way you've become as a writer has that been affected by by anxiety in any way, or must be a clumsy question? But mm, no, it's not. Um, I mean, I think it's really interesting because I've listened to you talking to other people about yeah. the sort of you know, are you thankful to your anxiety mm-hmm. for anything? And I was thinking as I listened to that that. Um, Anxiety is, is definitely a part of what makes me productive as a writer. Mm-hmm. I think there's something that, that can drive you. There's some kind of sense of trying to scratch an itch or trying to um, trying to find some kind of peace or something like that that, yeah. that that can be part of your drive to write, even if you're not writing about... I'm not always writing about anxiety directly, I, I don't think, no. hardly at all, but I think... I think it permeates my writing quite a lot a sense of unease maybe and so in that way it is it's it's sort of part of and who knows oh bless, bless you, you. Um, <laughs> maybe maybe certain people are drawn towards writing and towards poetry in particular I know we've sort of touched on this before yeah, yeah. I don't know what do you th- do you think that's the yeah what comes first uh, the anxiety or the writing um, mm. For me, I spent, I'm 58 now, yep, <laughs> um, up till being six, seven years ago, I, I had little flirtations with anxiety, I'd mm. get the odd panic attack, but I never thought of myself as an anxious person, mm-hmm. and then I had this huge onset of anxiety that absolutely poleaxed me um, in Edinburgh mm-hmm. uh, at the festival. Blimey. Um, yeah. <laughs> of all the places, place yeah. And um, I'd already started to write seriously, or try to write seriously, in, in 2010, when I turned 50. Yeah. I'd always written stuff when I felt depressed, um, but but really wanted to, to explore poetry and writing. Oh, it grows well. It does. And, um, <laughs> So I'd already started to write, but I think the onset of the anxiety, I was so glad that I had writing. Yeah. And I love what you said, to scratch an itch. Yeah, or, or yeah, to yeah, somehow, yeah, yeah. Um, to, to, to have that sense of um, unease. Mm-hmm. I think I've always had that, actually. And I think, that's, I think writing has got something to do with that. You, the 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 fact that you want to write is yeah. because you feel that unease. Yeah. I think it's very yeah, me too actually. Very very similar. I um, I actually just always thought um, I was only sort of diagnosed if if that's right. but with yeah. having a sort of generalized anxiety disorder a few years ago actually sort of 
maybe 2016, 2017, so right. not long ago at all. Right. But before that, I'd always just always been really uneasy and racing brain, racing thoughts, trouble sleeping, all, all the usual kind yeah. of stuff. And I just thought... It's because I'm a writer, because I've been writing since I was a kid, really. I don't remember any time when I didn't write since I was 10, 11. It was just a really, it was like a best friend for me, like a big part of my life. And yeah, I just thought, I'm uneasy because I'm a writer. That's that's what it is. And it's only more recently that come to uh, find uh, anxiety a more useful label, if you like. Label's the wrong word, but... but um, a sort of explanation for some of the things that, and finding a kind of, I suppose the main thing for me was feeling a kind of fellowship with other anxious people because, because, and and again, I remember talking to you about this in Cafe Nine a while ago. You get that thing, don't you, where people think if you talk, if you use the word anxiety, because it's something that everybody does experience to some degree everyone will go, oh yeah, I'm anxious as well. Yeah. I'm, uh, and obviously there's, there's being anxious and then there's, <laughs> and there's, there's having anxious. a real problem with it to the point that it affects your ability to, to, to do your, your daily life. There's, a, there's so. a Peter Gabriel song called Darkness uh-huh. where he says, uh, I have my fears but they do not have me. Well, I think the difference between people who have a bit of anxiety and people who anxiety has them. Yeah. There, there were, there have been points in my life where it has me. Yes. I'm, yeah. I'm not in control. It is. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's so overwhelming. Um, and and when people say, oh, "I had a bit of a panic attack," I think, really? Was that really? <laughs> yeah. Did you yeah. feel like you were going to die? Yeah. Because. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was a frequent visitor to A&E for a little while. Yeah, yeah. Because I was just convinced yeah, yeah. that this sense of dread must have a physical root that yeah. I was about to die. Well, that's a logical assumption, it isn't is, it? Yeah. You think, why would I feel like that unless, you, you know, my body was sending me a signal that exactly. something's really wrong? It, it, exactly. But it, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by this general sense of unease. Yeah. And, and, and it... One of the things it's made me do is pay attention, yeah, really deeply, and uh, uh, almost passionately, to the world around me. Because mm-hmm. it, a, you have that funny sense sometimes of dislocation, yeah, like you're not really in your body, um, which makes me notice everything, and makes me notice people, uh, and and the one of the curatives to me is, is going out walking. Mm-hmm. And I really notice, like we've just been in the Lake District, I really notice everything around me. The animals, the, the birds, the, the, the plants. And, and there's, it's so soothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That unease is soothed somewhat. But, but it does make me ask all kinds of questions about, well, what the hell are we here for? And, and, um, and I think those kind of uneasy questions feed the poetic imagination well i suppose because writing is for me anyway it's an act of noticing isn't it yeah, it's an act of, of of observing and of making patterns and yeah. it's 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 and that's that's so evident in the way you write about places as well yeah hi alfie you can <laughs> say hello hello <laughs> um and i think well, it's like how a child sees the world, isn't it? It's paying proper attention to things. It's sort of, but it's very interesting. I'd never thought of this before until you mentioned what you do when you're walking. But um, I've always linked this to my life as a writer, but perhaps it links to um, your life as an anxious person as well. When I was a kid, when I was at school, I used to spend most of my... I got quite badly bullied at school. And I used to... Um, my way of coping with it and of just of coping with school in general, because I was quite, I was an only child, I was quite a dreamy sort of kid. Oh, we're all a bit wrong, aren't we, only children? I think that's responsible for a lot. <laughs> but I used to, so I just used to pretend when I was at school that I was presenting a TV programme or that I was a documentary maker and everything that I was seeing 
like you say, you're sort of noticing it and observing it and making a record. So like a commentary. Yeah, like a running... So I'd always have that in my head. And later, I think I turned that into writing and I turned wow. that into... But it's interesting to relate that to that feeling you talk about of being a bit disconnected or being an observer, yeah. which is actually quite useful to your writing, I think, that yeah. ability to, as you say, to step back. Yeah. <laughs> just repositioning Alfie oh, he's crawled right hello <laughs> um, you go with your toys over there it's okay it's okay this this running commentary uh, that because anxiety creates a running commentary in my head yes you know, oh oh my god this is like last time this is uh, some some of my anxiety is is agoraphobic so um, cinemas are quite difficult at times yeah. theatres restaurants and and the running commentary the, the darker running commentary is oh this is where you had a panic attack last yeah, time so it's going to happen this again. time and th and then there's another voice that says no you're not you're going to be fine um, and i've learned more and more i don't know whose voice that is I was, it's mine yeah to listen to that and then it allows me to keep that attention and and start really attending to I love that what you said about patterns. Yeah. The 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 patterns that are going on around me, whether it's relationships, um, or just watching strangers, um, or thinking about because I've been writing about Sheffield, mm -hmm. thinking about what are the patterns of this city. Mm -hmm. um, where, who are we? Where are we going as a city? Yeah. What what and 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 immediately yes immediately wanting to engage people in those kind of conversations and I'm kind of hyper up for I'm yeah. really ready to listen um the pattern oh hello I think the pattern making is interesting isn't it because because if you're somebody who's very good at making connections and make which is what poetry is metaphor is um yeah. pattern making isn't it and connection making if you're used to doing that and it's something that... And who knows what comes first? Maybe our brains are set up like that and that's why we're writers. Maybe as writers we train that like a muscle and we get better at it. But it also means the flip side of being someone who makes connections is that you can be quite paranoid and you can become a bit of a conspiracy theorist. Um, one second. Who's this? Who's that? Is that Alfie? Um, here he is, look. Um, I think Alfie has, has, has just worked out that uh, we're not fully paying attention yeah. to him. <laughs> um, no, I think that, yeah, the flip, as I say, the flip side of pattern making is that sort of almost obsessive thought. So for me, yeah, the, yeah. The, the trigger that, that ended up... Um, sending me to the doctors the first time to do with anxiety was was obsessive thoughts it was it was it was a worry that yeah. anyone could have told me was actually you know rationally not that sensible that had become so out of control that for about a year because I didn't tell anyone about it for a year oh, it it, it, it intruded into my thoughts to the point that I couldn't enjoy anything I was doing because the moment I started to write or to, do, to, to do, or, or to do anything, my brain would go, yeah, but what, have you forgotten about the, have you forgotten about this terrible thing that's going to happen that's, that's, and, and it's so all-consuming, isn't it, and so difficult to, and I, but I think that's, that's part of the writer's brain, that's part of, what makes yeah, you good at those other things um, yeah it's a function or a that's the wrong word yeah it, it, it it's an ability um that that yeah it, it, because when a poem gets hold of you mm -hmm. i can't let it go until, yeah. until i've it's a conundrum to be solved how do i get that that thought in the right order and, and chasing that metaphor down the, 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 the lines and and yeah and it is obsessive and it wakes me up at night you've got to be to yeah. write a good poem well, you've yeah. got to be yeah. obsessive yeah but, and you've got to listen you've got to let a lot of things in yes. um, yeah, yeah. You've, got, and you, you've got to have that kind of per permeability yeah 
that allows it all to come in, so you can <coughs> so you can feel it. But you're right, and you, one of the things that you just said that absolutely made me want to weep was I didn't tell anyone for a year. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because you feel such a. I I I thought to myself, you know. I've run events for 60 men for eight days with me basically running the show. And and Sarah Wilson in the book that I was um, talking about... The, because the first, first we make, make the Beast, beast beautiful, beautiful, yeah. It's a, a great kind of uh, exploration of anxiety. And she says, you know, the cruel irony is if you're given a task yeah. as an anxious person, she's done television shows. She's yeah, like, oh, yeah. great, I can do all that. Because my brain says, oh, well, I, I, I have to focus on this now. Yeah. But the moment it stops, yeah. it all comes back. And, and, and I felt such a fool, you know, that, that I couldn't get these thoughts out of my head. And I know what obsessive thoughts are like. Mm -hmm. I was really worried I was going to harm my family. Um, and, and, you know, I'd see a, a knife on a block and I'd be like, I can't. And, and, oh, and it, yeah. it was awful. How do you tell your family? Yeah. <laughs> by the way, oh, by I've the got way, this. I'm a bit worried that I'm going to kill you. Okay, great, good. Um, but it was really, really helpful to read at least someone else's account that said, Oh, I feel like that. And I never did it. Um, and you wouldn't. And you know you wouldn't. Um, but but it, it's. There's like a tyranny of, uh, of thought. That is a gift and a curse yeah. at the same time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and, 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 yeah, that's... I, I suppose one, one of the things we should do is interview a poet that's not anxious. Well, <laughs> and see, would you find one, I wonder? Uh, that's, that's interesting, question, isn't it? <laughs> and is would they be any good if you did? <laughs> <laughs> Who are these chilled person that just wrote lines of... of, of, of of how great life was all the time. No, maybe you wouldn't want to read it. You could um, you could do um, you could do a sequel called the non-anxious poet, and um, you might only have one episode, and that'll be um, that'll be all. It'll be someone said, no, it's all right. My writing's never been affected. Yeah, yeah, no, I it's, feel great all the time. It's interesting though, like the I think, and I've done this with other things in the past. I think you can sort of tell yourself to make yourself feel better about things like anxiety for instance that and I certainly told myself for a long long time that that was what enabled me to write and I was a bit wary of um, going on medication and things like that because I thought oh if I start taking medication maybe I'll stop writing maybe that like yeah, I said yeah. that itch that I need to scratch that we'll sense of unease will just go away and of course it didn't, no. Um, I wrote most of my uh, novel on uh, medication really? and stuff and it, it just, it sometimes just gave me the space to think. But equally, I'm still able to, I don't know about you, but I am still able to write when I'm in the midst of being very anxious or even depressed or I can still write. A lot of people would talk about not being able to do that. So it's funny, kind of always there. It's a conversation on holiday. My daughter's an actor... Um, my son's really interested in film. Uh, my wife paints. My other daughter's interested in in feminism and the law and all this kind of stuff. And and my eldest daughter had, was saying, when I feel really depressed, I can't. She writes. Mm -hmm. She writes screenplays. I can't write. And I and I said, I'm not sure that's true. I think mm -hmm. for me, at first I didn't want to, but then. It, it was almost like I couldn't not write. I had, I had to somehow record what this felt like. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, I, 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 it literally like squeezing a dishcloth. Yeah. I'd squeeze out a stanza and think, oh, God, yeah, that is what it's like. Um, there's a, there, I'll read this in a minute. There's a poem I, I wrote right in the middle of it. Um, and it starts, it's called The Tremor of Silk. I can, glean a scene, I can glean a seed of comfort from the breath-panting, running, huffing happiness that Gabriel, my dog, finds <laughs> in our long walk. Um, that's brilliant. That's, uh, yeah, that's exactly... <laughs> and, and I kind of, I come back, we walk around down Flask. Yeah. And I felt absolutely shit. 
I, I, and, and I thought, this is never going to end. I can't. But I thought, I have to actually say this onto the page. I've yeah. got to squeeze this thought onto the page because maybe that might make it change. Um, so you were writing that at the time. It wasn't yeah. like a, a yeah, sort no, of a, retrospective a, 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 kind I mean, of... I worked on it after. Do you think your work is different in character when you're feeling anxious and when you're not, if you see what I mean? I'm just going to get something for Alfie to chew on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, I think sometimes the writing feels more life and death when I'm feeling really mm -hmm. anxious. It's like, I've got to do this. To, yeah. to scratch the itch to find some relief. What about you? Um, very similar, yeah. I think there's there's a, a poem that I brought along today, actually, that I've got this vivid memory of stopping. I was driving back from Manchester Airport. Um, I'd been away teaching in a, a week on a course in Greece. And I remember oh. having to... I was so anxious. I remember I had to stop the car. I got This poem just started in my head. It was about this feeling. And... I had to pull over my car in Hathersage and write it down. And as you say, it had this sense of urgency yeah. or I've got to say this now sort of feeling to it. Um, <laughs> I could read it if, it, if yeah, Alfie yeah. goes to you. Sorry about the sound effects. No, they're great. You've become, you've become rather noisier than uh, <laughs> I was anticipating, Alfie. Um, <laughs> this is a poem that I was writing in the okay. car with the little vocal interruptions from my small son. <laughs> Mountain. You are very successful, but you have rocks in your chest, skin-coloured sandstone wedged where your breast should be. Your stomach is a boulder. To hold you up, your legs grow stony too. You zip your jacket up and nobody notices you're a mountain. You buy coffee, run board meetings where no one says you're made of scree, but above your head their talk is weather, your eyes collect new rain, and you know what you are because, like any hillside, you don't sleep. Your feet could hold you here forever, but your sides are crumbling, and when you speak your words are rockfall, you're scared, your heart is tumbling from your mouth. Wow. And some of that was about that idea wow. that we were talking about, that, um, that I suppose um, people don't see uh, you, you, I know you've talked in previous podcasts about um, <laughs> sorry I'll take him back off you <laughs> um, about um, thank you <laughs> you're a baby whisperer um, about, just just about the idea that, that people will say oh but you can't be anxious because you get up on stage you're gregarious you, you can't um, you know and I guess it's about that idea that I think landscape can be an interesting metaphor for those things because, um, you know, there are things, to, to use a bad pun, that, you know, that there are things going on beneath the surface, aren't there, that we're not always aware of. And uh, you could have a map of somewhere and it only shows a 2D sort of part of the picture. And it's very similar with, um, with people's yeah. states of yeah, mind, yeah. isn't it? I, think. I really yeah. like the line that hit me there was... you. you Something like you are scree. Yeah, 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 yeah. God, I know that feeling. That feeling like of just all she's away from you, and yeah. you think, oh my god, I'm flying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Inside, yeah. how did that happen? Yeah. Um, it's a great poem. Thank you. Great poem. But I just remember, not many of my poems come out all in one go. Did that? But that pretty much did, and oh. I just remember it was it was Hathersage, and I stopped this car, the car and just thought. I was nearly home, but I thought, I've got to write this yeah, down. Yeah. And you, when you get that feeling, you have to attend yeah, yeah. to it, don't you? And that, as you, you say, it, it can, like, like what, what um, Sarah describes in the, in the book, yeah. um, that feeling of going, which I do get while I'm writing a poem, even if it's really hard to write it, that feeling of, okay, I'm absorbed in something now. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm absorbed in a task. I've got to... Yeah. And actually, something that um, a, a colleague of mine wrote a book about... An old colleague of mine, Francis O'Gorman, wrote this book about worry. Uh, it's like a history of worry. Okay. And he says in the book, um, which I thought was really interesting, that um, we shouldn't overlook the fact that anxious people are quite useful to society yeah. because they're very efficient. Because yeah. <laughs> they've thought of all the outcomes. <laughs> They've thought they've met trouble 
more than halfway um and so that yeah. that's what my partner says i do he says you don't just meet trouble halfway you meet it yeah, at the yeah. door you, yeah, you yeah. haven't got out of the house <laughs> trouble's there you meet trouble before it's even left its own house <laughs> but, but i was trying to explain to him it was, we were talking about having a, a baby when we, we knew we were having alfie and um, yeah, i said actually uh, well but anxious people he said wow i can't get over how prepared we are for when the baby comes i said that's the only benefit of going out with an anxious person you'll find that everything is very well prepared because <laughs> they've thought of everything, everything. that could possibly everything. happen it is yeah <laughs> but which of course is interesting because i would never do that in my life as a writer as a writer i'm prepared to be surprised by things and to wait for the unexpected yeah, and i wouldn't try and preempt and plan my poetry would you no, would you no, I, I kind of no no and, and but I, and, and i like that feeling of absorption when it grabs you and it 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 it, it, it takes you on a on a, oh, a poor metaphor it takes you yeah. on a journey to somewhere you didn't expect. I love that about poetry, is, is you, you walk with someone down this path that they're not quite sure where they're going to end up. Yeah. Um, and when they do, it's a revelation of, of, of some kind. And do you think that's why you like writing about walking, especially yeah. as well? And it's, well, that old yeah. phrase, that solvitur ambulando, yeah, yeah, it yeah, is yeah, solved yeah, by yeah. walking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in all the people that I've spoken to, in all the books I've read about anxiety, physical activity mm -hmm. is a huge... I said in another poet, uh, podcast, it's a curative, it's not a cure, yeah. but it has curative effects. Absolutely. Um, and, and it's such an ancient human process. You, you were at the Wordsworth Trust, mm -hmm. I was up there, we were in Grasmere. I, I read a book re some recently that said Wordsworth walked something ridiculous yeah, like 180,000 yeah, yeah, yeah. miles in his lifetime. And he wrote while he was walking, yeah, like... Yeah. And, um, and set it out, and poor old Dorothy had to write it down. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's extraordinary. Uh, there's, there's a bit that um, I quoted in the last podcast um, that, that my friend David recites a lot, where Wordsworth says, Ah, oh, dear friend, to the brim my heart was full. Um, I made no vows, vows were made for me, mm -hmm. bond unknown to me was given, that I should be, else sinning greatly, a dedicated spirit. Oh, lovely. And it's, it's written as he's walking down towards Grasmere, he talks about the, uh, the, the beauty of the common dawn. Um, and, and just this lovely idea of him writing this as he's walking. Mm -hmm. And the observation, and I love the idea of a common dawn, it's something you see every day. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, it's not a pill. Yeah. I, I'm not against pills. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's something so accessible. Not always easy. So I'll, I'll read this if Alfie. Yes. Will permit <laughs> heckler. He's a heckler. On my right hand, I <laughs> a yellow and pink sock puppet. With one eye. With one eye and a speaker. <laughs> The poet's uh, muse. Perhaps you could do all your readings like that in, in future. <laughs> it's called The Tremor of Silk. I can glean a seed of comfort from the breath panting, running, huffing happiness that Gabriel, my dog, finds in our long walk. It sets up a yearning that is painful to my stomach sinking, down bringing, drear morning waking, aching for more sleep. I never dreamed that I would be called anxious, depressed an object of sympathetic card-sending, sad, condoling nods. <laughs> I've never longed more, or implored, or burned for relief, rescue, to gain a vantage point that sees ahead, an end to all this. <coughs> we are walking round the dam, all three dogs are in full stream, whereas I flood sporadically with down-the-neck hot-water panic. Will it end, or am I stuck in this wet path, leaf-dropped winter, that issues into no spring, as the dark, Raven Moore won't release me. I suppose dogs must get depressed, but Gabriel seems the steadiest of friends as he wanders ahead, licking the water unfazed by my state. His unperturbed gaze is that seed, not relief, but the tremor of silk. 
It grows in his dark eyes and enters my belly silently. That's what I cling to. His smoothing generosity in the pain of my dislocation from the life I thought unshakable. His head on my knee. Not hope, no, but it is love. Oh, that's beautiful. What was the um, um, the, the line about the hot... The, the hot uh... Whereas I float sporadically with down-the-neck hot water panic. Down-the-neck hot water panic yeah. is such an accurate, exactly brilliant phrase. Your poem also makes me think about... Um, there's this book I read a few years ago called Fifteen Dogs, oh, wow. which takes as its premise the idea that two two gods, two Greek gods, have a bet um, <laughs> about whether dogs would be unhappy if we gave them human consciousness. Um, and so yes. they do it as an experiment. They take these 15 dogs from a, a, a pound or somewhere like that and uh, give them human sentience and consciousness. And sure enough, all the dogs start getting depressed and anxious <laughs> and everything goes a bit wrong in their hierarchy yeah, yeah, and their yeah. lives just become really complicated and it's it's just a really interesting philosophical book Isn't I suppose it? about the human condition and whether as, as you say in that poem you know the the, the, the do, do dogs get depressed I suppose they must but the, the not thing in the that was way. so comforting about Gabriel who sadly died on Monday yeah god bless him um was when I was really the hot water panic, he just wasn't... I mean, they're very sensitive. And, yeah, and yeah, yeah. There have been times when he has got agitated when someone's upset, but he never did when I was anxious. It was like him looking at me saying, you're all right, actually, I don't think there's anything wrong with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and let's go for a walk, because, yeah. you know... Because that'll help. What we're sitting about for. Um, so you found that having a dog is oh. really helpful to your anxiety? Absolutely. It's interesting because I got I got I got dogs um, when I was and I've just written a non-fiction book kind of about this. Um, it's about well, it's about being depressed and getting a black dog when you're depressed, uh, literally, literally. Um, <laughs> the the emblem of depression. But but um, it's um, it's it's uh, going to be called Never Leave the Dog Behind. Oh, great. Um, <laughs> I think Alfie might need a biscuit. That might yeah. help. I'd tried loads of things to cure it and I'd, I'd, yeah, it hadn't worked. And I decided when I was living in Grasmere on my own, um, doing this writing residency, that the only way to finally get over my phobia of dogs would be to get one, <laughs> which is actually similar to, and I've heard you talking to other guests about this, and sort of the, this idea of um, people finding comfort in, you know, confronting their worry, yeah. the, the idea of worry or their worrisome thoughts. I guess it's a bit like that. It's like an exposure yeah. cure. Yeah. But it was also it because worked. of what you describe. The, oh, yeah, I'm not scared of dogs anymore. <laughs> but um, that thing of getting out and observing and, you know, your dog being sensitive to your moods yeah. and, and knowing um, that you need that you need to go for a walk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I think it helped my writing and it helped... Um, another biscuit is emerging yeah, from the packet. That's lovely. the sound effect. Um, they look great. I think. Um, I think it definitely helped. Yeah. There's, there's one of the things that I have a poem. Uh, I might read it in a minute called "Rivlin Valley Vespers," mm -hmm. and I talk about a dog, a monastic doggedness. Mm. Um, there's something about regularity, for me, that. I trained for the priesthood for five years and I spent quite a lot of time on retreats in monasteries and and there's something about the regular life yeah. that is really calming to my anxiety knowing that there's a pattern to the day and the dog the dogs, my dogs bring that to me you know, I walk them pretty much the same time every day um, you know, they, they you have to get up with them. I mean, it's like having a little child. There's, there's a kind of rhythm. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I often wonder whether part of the onset of my anxiety was the, the, the empty nest thing. Yeah. That yeah. the kids had grown up and I didn't have that, what am I here for? And, you know, I used to complain all the time that I didn't have enough time to yeah. write. And, I had to and then when you get it. And it, you're right. You've got all this open <laughs> space and it's actually quite dangerous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, and it's finding that rhythm um, that, that a dog 
really brought to me. So you got the dog in, in the lakes. I yeah. did. I feel exactly the same as you, by the way, about that. I think um, I find it very hard to explain to people close to me. Um, I find it hard to explain to my partner, actually, how much routine Ooh. and yeah. regularity, because he's not that kind of person at all, <laughs> um, matter to me and how yeah. comforting I find it. But... Um, I remember with having a baby, I found the the early months when everything's just as and when very difficult. And then once we started to get into a little routine together, I found it immensely comforting. But it's interesting because, and I was going to ask you if you have a writing routine, therefore, because I really don't. I have no kind of... and But, you know, there are writers, aren't there, who, who have a really strict... You know, oh, yeah. they write in between the hours of yeah. this and I've this. Met and I've met lots of them. But you don't find no. that necessary. No, neither do I. How well, strange. I, I'm not sure if... It might be necessary. I just can't do it. Yeah, no, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> well, my ideas <clears throat> don't work like that. They don't... They don't... Yeah. I, I, I did when I first... <clears throat> Excuse me, culture this idea. Sorry, this biscuit's right. going everywhere. No, no, we'll fine, talk about it later. Um, <laughs> when, I, when I was turning 50, mm-hmm. I think I had this idea I've got a basement writing room that I'd be this guy in the gallery. Yeah. And, you know, and I used to go down every morning and, and it, it just didn't really work. Um, yeah. And, and then I'd go and walk the dogs and cook a meal. And halfway through doing that, you go, oh. some great idea would turn up. Yes. And I'd have, I'd have to say, I'm just going upstairs, or I'm just yeah, going upstairs, yeah. and, and write it down. Um, so, and, and I kind of work in, in bursts as well. Um, when I suddenly, I've, I've realised, oh, these poems coalesce into mm-hmm. maybe a book. So I need to work on them and get them. And I run two writing groups. We had one last night. Oh, in, in, in the, uh, oh got, no, like yeah. a garage up there that's a, a room, and um, the theme was apologies. Oh, wonderful! Wow, <laughs> and they've written these fantastic pieces, but um, that that's a bit of a stimulant. But no, I don't have a, a regular writing practice. Do you still have a writing room? Do yeah. you have a you, you have to write in the same? No, re- no, yeah. no. I, but I've, I've got a, a basement room down uh, in this house. Uh, and I've got loads of bird feeders around it so I can watch the birds because one of the things that I've discovered I don't know whether you feel the same way and having Alfie here is a perfect thing when I was a little kid and being an only child like yep. you I could spend hours just looking at things yeah, 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 or wandering around the garden or playing with something or reading a book and I've realised that writing and poetry whether I'm ever any good at it is not that big a problem. It's just doing it. Yes, yes, yes. It, it gives you the excuse to just sit and daydream. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think about the same thing for hours on end. Yeah. Um, and and try and work out the the poem I sent you a little while ago about walking. Up oh yeah. You know, I, I it was such a lovely thing to write that. And just mm-hmm. to remember walking up line line and going back to it and walking up it again. Um, it, it's an excuse to be a kind of reverist. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> that biscuit went. Biscuit catapult. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reverie is such a lovely thing. Um, and, it's, and, it, and it's soothing. And it's an excuse. You know, oh, I'm writing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. You can feel like you do. Don Patterson's got this great aphorism where um, Alfie like doesn't think it's great. No, no he's not right. sure. Um, where he talks he's about good, the, you know. the trouble with being a poet is that um, a single poem can redeem a day, oh, yeah. a lost day. Yeah, and yeah. it's true. It, I, I, I'd say that's an understatement. It's not even redeem a day. It redeems uh, your, your life, your basically. Life, you think. Oh, I've managed to say that. I've, I've, um, yeah, I've, I've put it into words. I, this I, is definitely a good reading time, by the way, because uh, Alfie's got a um, a cheese and leek well. crunchy wheel. Um, I really appreciate reading them out to people. Yeah. You know, it's kind of a form of showing off in a way. Although there's a, that, there's always that unease and anxiety. That yeah, gonna, yeah, uh, yeah. Really, what everyone's thinking is. What an idiot. How could he write that? You know, that's so ridiculous. But Well, that you've exposed oh, something. It's like standing there. The first time I did a reading, I felt like I was, I was I had my clothes off. Yeah. 
It was horrible. <laughs> and it was in a, a, a circle of, of inquiry that this poet friend of mine had set up called the Salon series. And I apologised the poem into the world. So it's not good, but and then and then I finished it and I said, So you know obviously it needs a lot of work. And yeah. he just said, Okay, I want you to read the poem, but I don't want you to Yeah, say don't want you to say anything else. else. Um, I've not read this for a while. Rivlin Valley Vespers. That that I love that word. It, it, mm. it's the word that uh, it's the name they give to the evening prayer. Yeah. Uh, the lamp lighting it comes from. The golden shafted beams haloing the trunk and twigs of this bare tree are a winter verdancy on a short December setting very soon orb of glory day. Don't forget the wonder my incessant dog demanding a walking says to me by the insistence lodged in his fell raised dry stone breeding and his ancestral unleashed eyes. <laughs> I see myself in this tree blocking the sun, casting my own distrusting shadow unaware of the splintered light that the dog, in his fidelity to me, holds to, hefted in the lee of my leg. By walking this same path with a slow and monastic doggedness, I behold tonight's robe by low sunlight, all made meaningful and prelude by the merle-blue devotion in my collie's gaze. That's beautiful. Mm. And that time of night, um, yeah, it, was like it really captures that time of night, yeah. There's a tree up at Rails Road, and if you catch it at the right time in the winter, the sun sits right behind it. Yeah. And 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 it's just spectacular. But I had this sense that I was like the tree. Yeah. And the dogs could see all my shadows, and they, they didn't actually they didn't bother. Mind. Them. Yeah, they liked yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, have you found has your relationship with um, with reading your work aloud changed over time? Mm. It's you're less likely to. I used to do exactly the same as you when I started reading. I would apologise for the poem. <laughs> say this is not very good. Um, until someone told me it was really annoying. They said it's yeah, yeah. infuriating that you do that. And also, if you do it enough, people will start people believing will believe you. you. Um, yeah. And so, but I still have a real. Um, I still get really. Um, I think there's something, isn't there, about what we do as performers that's about the entitlement to take up space, yes. which you can feel a bit uncomfortable about because I still get a bit um, twitchy at open mic nights if I see somebody doing that thing where they go, oh, can I just, I'll just read one more, I'll just read... And so I'm much more likely to under-read, read, read less than, than I should. And um, that can be frustrating for audience members as well, I'm sure, but it's it's something, isn't it, about that... Yeah, that urge... It's so interesting hearing another writer talk about it, that urge to apologise your, your, your and work away. And I get away. gauche as well, and, and like, if I think people are liking it, then I, there's a bit of me that wants to read 20 yeah. minutes. <laughs> oh, I've got this other one. Oh, and I've, got, I've, I've become about eight um, years old. Yes. Um, because it makes me feel like a child. The whole thing makes me feel like a child, and that's good. It's really good to have that slight innocence. You're really making me revisit the whether being an only child has anything to do with yeah. a particular kind of sensibility because I think I have the same thing with writing in that way. And also, when you were talking about that showing off thing, I've got the, or the idea that you, like, that fear. It, it made me... I actually tried to write a poem recently. It wasn't a good poem. It really wasn't. Um, but um, about a memory of being in year two or something, year one at primary school. And we used to write these stories. And sometimes when I when I wrote a story, um, some of my friends, because they knew I liked stories so much, would ask me to read it out to oh, them. Wow. So I, I remember sitting very proudly reading my story. I was so excited that they'd asked to hear it. <laughs> and the teacher came over to me and just said um, very quietly, um, Helen, pipe down, nobody likes a show-off. Oh, and that voice... <laughs> Every time you're at an open mic night, if you're invited guest reading at an event halfway across the world, there's always a little bit of my brain that's going, oh, pipe down, Helen. Nobody likes a show off. <laughs> and yet at the same time, we are inherently, the act of writing something is, we're all show offs, aren't we? <laughs> You've got to reconcile it with yourself. Really fortunate. That I, I've had a bit of an apprenticeship with this guy called David White, who's a, he's from Murfield, but he lives in America, and he's a 
He's, 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 his other work is in organisational development. So he's got this other string to his bow and he's very, I mean, he's very, very popular in America. He can command huge audiences. But I've got to know him and he, he kind of took a bit of an interest in me. But his, he is a great reader. Mm -hmm. He memorises them all. Goodness me, wow. He's got That's about brave, 500 it? poems in his memory. And he just can produce it. Something he's not recited for two years. I'll just remember it. I can't do that. No, I can't I've got about four. Yeah, <laughs> me too. But he, 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 his, his kind of tutoring was about being in your body and, and having the confidence. He'd say to me, these words are great. Yeah. They need air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't rush at them. Just allow them to, to and, and that really helped. Do you, do you find publication anxiety provoking? Because I always have a thing that happens to me where whenever I've got a new book out, um, I'm, I'm, I believe in the poems a lot and, I, and I'm obviously passionate about publishing them and I really want to, to publish this book that I've been working on for ages. And then as soon as it get clo gets close to publication, the anxiety takes over and I go, oh... I, 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 I don't want people to read that. I don't want them to review it. Yeah. I can't read reviews. I, still now, I, I have to skim them. But, but um, whether they're good or bad, it's no better if they're good. Um, but just this, this sudden... And I don't know where that comes from. She goes, well, you must believe in it because you, you wouldn't have published it if you didn't believe in it. But do you, do you have that about... Yeah, so I, I, I'm not in the same league as you in the sense that most of my work is self-published. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I don't think that makes it any different. The no. public, I think, I think it's, it, it, it's the just same. as anxious. Yeah. And and like the the moment I think it's finished, yeah. and I send it to the to the it, it, this self publishing group, um, and and they they do provide editorial services mm -hmm. and things like that. You have to pay for it, but. Um, I immediately, like you, it's like something on elastic that I want yeah. to just pull straight back and say, no, no, well, I'm not going to do this. I didn't mean it. No. <laughs> and, and, and it's horrible. It is, I'm really glad you said it because mm. it is, makes me feel sick. Yeah. And, and if I notice a typo, there's one typo in the most recent book I did. I, I, I want to burn it. I want to burn the whole book because I think there's a voice in my head that says, yeah, everyone's going to realise you're actually you're crap yeah. and, and you're a charlatan and it's, and it's all rubbish and, and why did you ever think of bothering? If, if it helps, I've read uh, that book and I didn't notice any typos, <laughs> so you, no one else will ever know. I know <laughs> it's that, just but a... I do, I do have, and, and I can't imagine what it must be like, like with black car burning. Mm. A lot of anxiety around that. <laughs> attention. Yeah. And it, I, I think it's a, Fantastic. Well I, well, I found a good trick this time, okay. uh, which is a really good strategy um, uh, if you've got a book coming out, is to have a baby around the time <laughs> that the book's going to come out, thus guaranteeing that you're able to give absolutely no, no mental attention. energy or time that's to the really book coming idea. out. I, I recommend it. Um, <laughs> For a 58-year-old, that's not going to be very easy. You'll get a puppy. You'll get a puppy. <laughs> but um, no, seriously, it's the first time I've not been particularly anxious about um, a book because all my anxiety was already... Being used Consume up on the um, bandwidth of anxiety was on the, the baby. On this little That's one, yeah. brilliant. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, Do you have one more that you could read? To I us? certainly could. Um, I'll take. I could, I'll, sw I'll swap. Uh, I'll swap. Uh, a baby for a, book a small uh, menace. And you're reading from. Uh, this is a collection called No Map Could Show Them, and uh, it, it was published in 2016. Yeah. <laughs> I <have my> <laughs> and um, I have my own copy. This uh, this is a pr sort of prose poem, I guess. Do you want your stick, Alfie? Yeah. <laughs> um, called The Fear. I worried about running. My fear grew legs and raced me to the finish line. I worried about finishing and my fear was lacquered, shone, that fruit-sized model of the globe I wanted as a kid. I turned it in my sleep. Distant countries, oceans I couldn't name. I worried about my name and fear introduced itself before me at the party. I worried about the party and fear was a drink, a pale flute pushed into my hand. 
I worried about drink, so fear leaped through the seams of my clothes, grew into a stain on my wool coat, and people pretended not to see. Look, I'm still standing in the corner where you left me, mid-sentence. I've promised not to move, but of course, I'm worried about my promise, and fear is a pledge, a lifelong IOU, a signature that looks like this. Wow. <laughs> and I guess I was thinking, I remember when I was writing that, I was thinking about that, that idea that, um, that, that, that people sometimes don't understand, which is that... Um, it's not the worry itself, it's the process of worrying. And so it's like weeds, you can cut one of them down and then there'll be another one somewhere else. And obviously we know that, but it doesn't help us manage it, does it? Sarah Wilson <laughs> says that, that, that the worst thing isn't being anxious, it's being anxious about being, being anxious. anxious. <clears throat> and that, going to a party or somewhere where my anxiety comes up, I, I, I'm already thinking, I wonder what that's going to be like, how am I going to cope with that? And then I start thinking, oh, now I'm anxious. So yeah. I, I need to worry about being anxious. And I wonder whether that'll set off any OCD. I wonder whether that'll... Oh, my God. I wonder if everyone will know as well. And Pass me the... I just... There was a bit in it. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. So... Yeah. We should stop in a minute. But... Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's been such an interesting conversation. It's been, I'm you. really grateful. Um, I worried about my name and fear introduced itself before me at the party. Wow. That's what it feels like to me. It's like you, you think that everybody can tell before you've even spoken to them that you they haven't got a clue. People they think you're very confident. <laughs> I remember going to A&E and the ambulance driver, I heard him handing me over to the A&E consultant and he said, this guy sounds like he's fine. Yeah. He's very articulate. He can describe everything going on. But believe me, he is he's not terrified fine. rigid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, he needs yeah, help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fear introduced itself yeah. before me at the party. I worried about the party and fear was a drink, a pale fruit pushed into my hand. Wow. wow. <laughs> I think I think it's that thing, isn't it, that you feel I always feel pleased in poetry if I feel like... Um, very often I'm worried that I haven't said what I mean, but if I've yeah. managed to find a metaphor for yes. something that I've felt, yeah. even if it doesn't mean anything to anyone else, I feel pleased that exactly. I've, I've put a name to my fear, I suppose. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's yeah. what writing does. It, it enables us to put names to our fears and therefore diminish them. It's And names to our loves and increases them. Yeah. What a nice way of thinking about it. At this point... Alfie became far more important than the podcast that we were doing and we seem to have finished on a lovely note. Um, I'd really like to thank Helen for coming along uh, and speaking with me and Alfie. And um, if you're interested in Helen's work, her recent novel is called Black Car Burning. That was published this year in April. Uh, it's a really good novel, very evocative um, as only a poet could write a novel um, especially the way parts of Sheffield actually speak to you it's it's a really good read and her, her the two collections of poetry that I've read uh, No Map Could Show Them uh, published in 2016 and Division Street in 2013 by Chatter and Windus um, both really good collections and uh, if you haven't read them you really should uh, look forward to speaking to you next time. Bye.